Turn with me, if you would, to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And tonight we'll be in verse 4. But I would like to read, starting verse 1 to verse 4. The name of the message is Christ who is our life. Christ who is our life. Colossians 3, verses 1 to 4. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye... Also appear with him in glory. So last week we looked at verse 3 of our study in the book of Colossians. And we saw the change that has taken place in regeneration. The believer's old life is over. And a new life has begun in Christ. A new life has begun in Christ. And the source of this life is Christ. The source of this life is Christ. It's the union and fellowship with the exalted Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, the God-man. Therefore, we looked at how the believer in Christ is dead to the law, dead to the ordinances, dead to touch not, taste not, handle not, which we saw in chapter 2 at the latter part of chapter 2. The false teachers were promoting that. And they were writing, the time of this, writing this epistle, these false teachers were, were trying to yoke the Colossian believers with all these duties that they had to do. And as I mentioned last week, the false teachers of our day do the same. Nothing's changed. Nothing stitched. Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. And there really isn't. They've just been wrapped up into a new, a, a new little, little way that it's uh, offered or shown. But there's nothing but works-based salvation, beloved. And we believe in salvation by the grace of God in Christ plus nothing. So we, by studying scriptures, can see that counterfeit and say, that's wrong. That's wrong. No, we're free in Christ. The believer in Christ is free in Christ and dead to the things spoken of in verses 20 to 23 of chapter 2, which is touch not, taste not, handle not. Now I believe that the Holy Spirit will never lead us contrary to the law of God. He'll never lead us contrary to the law of God. But praise be to God that he fulfilled it for us, that Christ fulfilled the law in our place because we can't even fulfill one part of it. And we also looked at how our life is hid with Christ in God and we considered the security and the safety of the believer who's hid in Christ. What security? What safety we have as believers in Christ? And this life is called hidden. Because it's away from the observation of natural man. 
And it was away, it, it was away from our observation until Christ revealed it to us, right? Until Christ revealed himself to us, we had no clue about him. Now, we may have, like me, may have cooked up an, an idol of who we thought Christ was, but it wasn't the Christ of the Bible. It was the Christ of my mind. And I thought he was at my whim, and, 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 and it was my decision, and he'd done everything he could to save me, and I found out, no, no. I was dead in trespasses and sins and lost. And that I'm at his whim. <laughs> I'm at his mercy. And it's so for every one of us. When he reveals himself to us, Christ must be revealed to the sinner. He must be the one who reveals himself. Or we'll never know him. Or we'll never know him. So this life spoken of in our text speaks of the of, of eternal life, which the believer has. Where's our eternal life? It's in Christ. It's in him. It's because, and, and the only reason we have it, we who believe have it, is because he died in our place and he lived in our place as our substitute. Therefore, we subscribe with Jonah that salvation is of the Lord. It's not anything we do. It's all about what he's done. is our substitute both in his life and in his death. His life and his death. So not only our natural life, which we know we have because of him too, the very air that we breathe, even the very air that unsafe folks breathe, comes from God. Comes from God. But we, we know that we, we live and move and have our being in him, don't we? Scripture tells us that. He's the giver of, of, of life, both natural and spiritual. But here in our text is speaking of, a, of spiritual. And our spiritual and eternal life all comes from him. He is the spring of it. He's the spring of it. It arises originally from him. Think of this. It arises originally from, from him because it was purposed in him. When? In eternity. In eternity. It was promised by him. The plan of it is all in him. And beloved, we're hid in him. Verse 3 tells us we're hid in him. This life was given by him, right? We're just receivers of eternal life. And it's all in him. Again, he's the fountain of it. Therefore, the saints can never perish or need not fear any enemy because we're hidden in Christ. Why? That's good news for sinners, for this sinner especially. That's good news. What safety, what security the believer has in Jesus Christ our Lord. So let us consider verse 4 tonight. Let us keep all this in mind. Last week's teaching and the past two weeks which deal with our attitude, what our attitude should be towards the material world and what our attitude should be towards spiritual things. And, and, let us look, and that's all found in verses 1 to 4. So let us consider verse 4 tonight. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. When Christ who is our life, shall appear. 
then shall ye also appear with him in glory. So let us consider this fact. Now, later on we're going to look at verses 1 to 4 and we're going to see facts presented. Facts. So let us consider this fact tonight. Christ is our life. That's a fact for the believer. Christ is our life. He's the source of our spiritual life. He's the author of our spiritual life. He's the fountain that it springs from. He's the object of our faith. He's the object of our life, isn't he? Christ. He's our life. And without Christ, we face both natural death and spiritual death. But in Christ, there's no condemnation. None. The believer's hid in him. Because he lives, we live. Because he's the head and we're the body. So because he lives, we live. Christ is our eternal life, isn't he? He really is. He's our eternal life. Do we have eternal life outside of him? No. Christ is is our eternal life. It is in him. It is in him. And given through him and by him. That's why the scripture declares here, Christ who is our life. He's our life, beloved. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 5 and then put your finger in Ephesians chapter 2. Beloved, he's the beginning of our spiritual life and he's the perfection of our spiritual life. He's the beginning of our spiritual life and he's its perfection. And the believer's eyes and heart are set upon who? Christ and him alone. Christ in him alone. Look at John chapter 5, verse 21. For as the Father raises up the dead and quickeneth him, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. He's the source. He's the author. He quickens whom he will. And who does he quicken? All that he purchased on Calvary's cross. Now that's something for us to think about. If we sit here redeemed tonight, the only reason is because he quickened us by his will and that he purchased us on Calvary's cross by his own precious blood. Oh my. He quickens, he regenerates whom he wills. He's the alpha as well as the omega of our salvation. In our life, he's our life. He's our all in all. We have nothing without Christ. And we who believe would have remained dead in sin if he had said not, you hath he quickened. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. If he had not said, you hath he quickened, we would have remained dead in trespasses and sins. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. And keep this in mind. Christ who is our life. Look at this. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. That was our state when we came into this world. Where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversations in times past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of the wrath, even as others. That was our state. You couldn't tell us, you couldn't tell us apart from, from, from anyone else who was lost. We were lost. We were dead in trespasses and sins. But look at verse 4, beloved. But God, who is rich in mercy, 
for his great love, wherewith he, hath, he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, look at this, hath quickened us together. There it is. Born again of the Holy Spirit of God. With Christ. There it is again. In Christ and with Christ. By grace are you saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And here it is. Trophies of his grace. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us. Here. Remember? Christ is our life. Look at this. Through Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus. So back to our text that says, when Christ who is our life, now we see in Ephesians 2, it all comes through him, doesn't it? All comes through him. Christ is himself. Christ himself is the living water. And he gives us living water. beloved. He gives us living water, which is a well springing up into everlasting life. And it's all in Him. It's all in Him. Scripture says this in John chapter 1. In Him, being Christ, in Him, was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Didn't have a clue who He was. Was that not our state before the Lord saved us? Dead in trespasses and sins. But he's our life, beloved. He's the source of our eternal life. He's the fountain of our life. It's all in him. All in him. Let's go back to our text. And what we believe, just a quick point here, what we believe is not just a religion. It's not. It's Christ. It's Christ. It's not just a way of life. It's much, much more than that. Jesus is our life. He's our life. He's the true life of every believer. Without him, we have nothing. And notice in the last few verses we looked at, we'll look at tonight's verse where Paul's been putting forth facts for the Colossian believers to rest in, to find assurance. Let's look at the last four verses we've looked at. We'll start in verse 1 of chapter 3 here. Notice the facts. So, so Paul's combated the false teachers, right? Touch not, taste not, handle not, that we're dead to that stuff. Paul here, and I found this in a commentator today, and I thought it was marvelous. He is presenting facts, beloved. Facts. Let's look at these facts. If ye then be risen with Christ, it's a fact that the believer is risen with Christ. Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So Paul here sets, sets before the Colossian believers the fact that they are risen with Christ. It's a fact. It's not a maybe. And as a result of this wonderful truth, they are to seek those things which are above. And now notice another fact of comfort for the believer that our Savior, our God and King, sitteth at the right hand of God in majesty and power. This is a fact. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. This is a fact, beloved. There's no question. Paul's presenting absolute truth here. This is a fact. 
So as a result of that, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. So as a result of these precious truths, these facts, we are to set our affection upon Christ, who is above. Now look at this. Here's another fact. For ye are dead. Dead to touch not, taste not, handle not. Dead to the law. That's a fact, beloved. What comfort that brings the believer. And here's another fact. So, so think of this, hold on. For, for, for ye are dead. He's, he's, he's telling the Colossian believers the fact that they are dead and they, that they are not to be yoked by those false teachers because they're dead to what those false teachers are presenting. And it's a fact that they're dead. Look at this. And your life is hid with Christ in God. A fact. It's not a maybe. What a wonderful truth that Paul is placing before the Colossian believers here. Precious truths. Now, now, folks get all wrapped up about practical Christian living. Here it is. Rest in the facts. Rest in the truths. It'll bring us joy. It'll be liberating. My. Here it is. A precious truth for Christian living. It's not about what we do. It's not about us keeping our hearts and minds. It's about, it, it is about setting our hearts and minds upon Christ and Him alone. But it's not about what we do. We constantly look to what He's done and we marvel in it. We look at these facts that we are dead and our life is hid with Christ and God. And we want to set our minds upon Him. We want to set our affection upon Him. Because He's the one who did it all for us. And look at our text tonight. Look at this. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Here are tonight's wonderful facts. Christ is our life. Christ is our life. He's the source of it. He's the spring of it. He's the sustainer of it. He's everything. And it's our, this life, this, this eternal life, this spiritual life is only in and through Christ and Him alone. And another fact that Paul pens is that we shall appear with Him in glory. Oh my. There will be a day when we will have no sin. This is a fact, beloved. Oh my. Then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. And we'll continue to look at that fact tonight. And this is things, though, that we can rejoice in, beloved. These are things that we can, you know, Scripture talks about a nail in a sure place. These are nails in sure places. And they all point to the one who is the nail in the sure place, Christ, and Him alone. And it brought me great comfort as I was studying this today, more and more, because you, you, the, I love what that guy brought out, the fact of these things, what peace it gives us, what assurance it gives us, what rest it gives us. We live because our Lord Jesus Christ lives. 
Not only because he's risen from the grave and ever lives to make intercession for us, but also because Christ lives in the heart of every believer. Turn, if you would, to Galatians 2.20. Look at this marvelous scripture here. And we'll break it down a little bit while we look at this. He's our life. Christ is our life. Galatians 2.20. The Apostle Paul pens by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me, and marvel at this, and gave himself for me. I am crucified with Christ. Christ is the one who bore my sins in his body on the tree. And he destroyed my sins and made an end of them. And he did that for all of God's people. Now we still live with the presence of sin, but one day, one day we won't have that. Our sins have no damning or condemning power. And the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. What's our desire now? Our desire is to walk with him in newness of life. The law of God written on our hearts, not on tables of stone. And it's so for every believer in Christ. Look at it continues. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. I live spiritually. I live spiritually now. I was once dead in trespasses and sins, spiritually dead, physically alive and yet spiritually dead. But now I'm alive in Christ. Born again. And it's not the same I as before, but a new man, a new creature in Christ. And this new man lives by faith, which is a way I never lived before Christ saved me. I used to live by my own dead nature. Now I look to Christ for all things, pardon of all my sins. Righteousness, because Christ is my righteousness. And I know it's so for you who believe too. Peace. Brother Newell, he's all your peace, isn't he? Comfort. Sister Nancy, he's our comfort, isn't he? He's, all, he's, he's our comfort. And every single supply of grace, all spiritual blessings are found in Christ. And in nowhere else. Christ is the substance of our life and our new nature. I, I remember telling someone, I look back on my life, and, and tell me if it's so with you. I look back, though, and it's almost like I lived another life. Because I'm not the same person I used to be. I, I have the same flesh, but now I have a new spirit. And, and, and the things that I once wanted to do are, now I abhor them. And the things that I hated, now I love. You see, we're new creatures in Christ. We're new creatures in Christ. One commentator said this, Penetrate the believer's heart and you will find Christ's love throbbing. Penetrate his brain, and you will find Christ to be its central thought. And that never was before the Lord saved me. I was never like that. 
I only thought about God when I was in trouble. Now, now we think about Him all the time, don't we? Now our heart beats in love for the one who, who once we despised. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Christ is the substance of our life, of our new nature. And this is a mystery to the world. It's a mystery to the world. They don't understand it. Look at John chapter 11. John chapter 11, verse 24 to 27. Actually, let's, let's go up to 23. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, look at this, yet shall he live. Christ who is our life. She saith unto her, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Do you believe? Do you believe? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Hmm. But note, yet shall he live. He's the resurrection and the life. And go back to our text. When Christ who is our life, he's the resurrection and the life. Christ is the object of this new life for the believer to live as Christ. He's the object of this new life. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Philippians 1, 20 and 21. Christ is not only our life, because he lives in us. He's the reason we live. He's the reason we live. His spirit working in us moves and motivates us to live for the glory of God. And the Holy Spirit has given us a new heart, a heart that loves Christ, a heart that loves Christ, a heart that loves God, a heart that loves the Bible, a heart that loves God's people. I didn't have that before. Oh, what a mighty work the Holy Spirit does. And he has given us faith, which works by the love that he's put in our hearts for Christ. He's given us faith. He's given us repentance. And we look to Christ and him alone. The law of Moses could not give us a love for Christ. Neither could it motivate us to live for the glory of our risen Savior. All it did was condemn us. We who believe on Christ have set our affection on things above. That's where Christ is seated. That's where Christ is seated. And our new heart loves him. Loves him. And wants to be and longs to be where he is. 
we love the gospel of God's sovereign grace in Christ Jesus alone because that gospel is all about Christ. And that's all we want to hear. We want to hear of the one who loved us before we loved him. We want to hear of the one who gave his life for us. We want to hear of the one who faced the wrath and judgment of God in our place, the sinless sacrifice, dying in the room of sinners. Christ is the sustenance of our life. He's the living bread which came down from heaven, beloved. What security for the believer? What security for the believer? We're hid in Christ, and he's our life, right? Therefore, Scripture comes alive when our Master proclaims. Now think of this. We're hid in Christ. He's our Lord and Master and our Savior. And we're made spiritually alive in Him. And so the Scripture in Matthew 10, 28 comes alive. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear Him which is able to destroy both soul and body and that's the one who would fear. And, and God's people do. We, we have a reverent fear for our king, don't we? We love him. So let us consider the latter part of our verse tonight. Look at, when Christ, who is our life, there's a fact. Okay. Now look at this. Shall appear. There's no question whether he's coming back or not. He is. He's coming back. Then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Another fact. Here, beloved, the Apostle Paul brings forth another blessed fact. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, ye also will appear with him in glory. The Holy Ghost, by his servant, the Apostle Paul, declares in these verses, there's no debate this is declared in these verses before us, these precious facts, that the believer in Christ is one with Christ. We're one with Christ. And that our life is hid with Christ in God, verse 3, and we are assured of these great and glorious truths because Christ is our life. That's the only reason. That's the only reason. Now here's another blessed fact set before us again. He who is now our life shall appear, and we shall appear with him in glory. And this is the, res the desire of every redeemed, blood-bought saint of God, to be with Christ and to be assured of this blessed fact. And it's all because of Christ, who, who he is, who he is, what he has done. It's all in him. And this brings joy unspeakable to the believer in This lifts us up from the cares and troubles of this world and we glorify God for what he's done. Christ will one day appear and we with him. How will he appear? Titus 2.13 says, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. It'll be very public. And he will appear in person in a very public way. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. 
every eye. And they also which pierced him and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come. The Almighty. Revelation 1, 7 and 8. Every eye shall see him. And he shall appear with great splendor and majesty. And our scripture declares, we who believe will appear with him. My, my. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 to 8, Scripture declares, For I am now ready to be offered, the Apostle Paul says, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not only to, not to me only, but unto all them that also Love is appearing. So when will the Lord come back? Only the Father knows when he'll come back. Turn, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Only the Father knows. And we as believers, we are to earnestly await his appearing. Earnestly. We are to look to Christ. We wait earnestly for his return, knowing that it will be in God's perfect timing. Whether it be in our lifetime, or the generation following, or the generation following, or the generation following. Look at what, look what Paul writes here, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. Do you know that there's, there's Brother Tim and I were talking about this today, there's, there's countless numbers of ministries out there supposed ministries, about end time stuff. And beloved, all they're doing is raking people for their money. I'm telling you, that's all they're doing. Countless amount of people speculating. And, and oh, there's an earthquake over here. Oh, there's something going on over here. Oh, there's something going on over here. And then they, they, they're constantly looking for events. Rather, as Brother Tim said today, rather than looking to Christ, wait, looking to his return. Look at this in 1 Thessalonians. This, look at what Paul writes here. But of the times and the season, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Paul says this to, to the Thessalonian believers. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. We're to be, we're to be looking to Christ. He'll come back when it's his time to come back. He'll come back when the Father's appointed that time to come back. And we wait earnestly for our Lord's second coming, knowing the certainty of, of this glorious return, the fact of this, that he's coming back. And we need not speculate about when it is. All things are in our great God and King's hands. All things. The times and the season that his return will come at, and his return will come at exactly, exactly 
when the Father ordains him to come back. When the God, the Father, has willed for him to return, he will come back and there is no need for us to speculate. But we, but, but we wait earnestly, don't we? We wait earnestly for the certainty of our Savior's return. Now turn, if you would, over to Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians. Now our Lord's return is spoken of in scriptures concerning judgment, right? Concerning judgment. Look at Second Thessalonians one verses five to ten. Second Thessalonians chapter one verses five to ten. Which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that she may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which ye also suffer seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to, and to you who are troubled, look at this. Are you troubled? And to you who are troubled, rest with us. Rest with us. Where are they resting in? Christ. 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 Rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flame and fire, taking vengeance on them that, that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints, oh, look at that, and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Now look at verse 10. Keep in mind that we're hid in Christ and let us consider and think on this, beloved. Now, now we see judgment there, don't we? But the believer's hid in Christ. So for, for the believer, the Lord's second coming is glorious. It's glorious. We see judgment there. But consider this. There is therefore now no condemnation. No judgment. To them which are in Christ Jesus. And Christ who is our life. Shall appear. No judgment. For those who are in Christ. Because the wrath and. And judgment of God fell upon Christ as our substitute. And he's the one who we look and await. He's the one who we look to. So let us glory and marvel on the precious fact that all our sins were judged at Calvary's cross when Christ bore our sins in our place. And he paid all that God demanded as our substitute. And we cry out, what a Savior, what a Redeemer is Jesus Christ my Lord. Let's look back at our verse and let us consider this as we have learned tonight. The author and the cause of our spiritual life, our eternal life, is Christ in Him alone. Look at this. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. Beloved, we're chosen in Him in eternity. And all our merit before God is in Christ in Him alone. He prepared he prepared our salvation. He planned our salvation. 
He worked it out for us. And He alone will bestow it upon His people. We saw that in John. And He promised this in the name of the Father. He said this in Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Fear not, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. His good pleasure, beloved. This life is in Christ and through His precious blood. And I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Because we're hid in Christ. and He's our life. He's the sinless sacrifice. And we live through Him. And this was manifest the love of God toward us. God's love manifested towards us. Because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. 1 John 4, 9. He has prepared us for eternal life. He has made us fit, fit for participation in the life, in spiritual life through the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit of God. And we know that from our study in verse or chapter 1, giving thanks unto the Father who hath made us meet or fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints and light. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by, by grace you are saved, Ephesians 2.5. And he has also prepared a place for us. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 14. He has prepared a place for us by his ascension. Oh, heaven will be heaven because Christ is there, because we, we behold our Redeemer. John 14, verses 1 to 3. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And oh, how this ties into our scripture tonight. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Christ is then rightly called our life. He's the author and the finisher of our natural lives, and he's also the author and the cause of our eternal life, which is only found in him. And we're closed with the scripture in Hebrews 5, 9. In being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. And God's people say, praise his mighty name. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the certainties that we find in Scripture. The fact that we who believe are made alive in Christ, born again by the Holy Spirit of God, and that we're hid in Him. We're hid in You, Lord Jesus. Who And you, you are our life. Without You, we have nothing. We have nothing, Lord. And we are so thankful for Your mercy towards us and Your grace which was bestowed upon us. And we love you and praise you and give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.